Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Today, I'm privileged to have Carl Saar. He's a sculptor, an artist, and this is the first artist we've had. Carl, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Artists, business people, they seem to be in two different camps. And as an artist, you have to create, you have to express, but then you also have to feed your family. Tell me about that experience of the business side of art. It's It's been a struggle for me, to be frank with you. Uh, I'm, I'm actually currently transitioning my business into more sculpture and art for years for the bulk of my time the 20 25 years i've been doing this i've been taking commercial jobs and doing boring handrails at the national aquarium things you would never you'd never think an artist did that because i can work with metal and i thought that's what i should do so more like a tradesperson almost being a tradesperson but the problem with that is is i set my shop up like an artist Right. Instead of a person that focused on making railings or making boxes for computers. It was never a really successful business model to kind of try to keep dipping into that world. Right. And once I get done with this job, it's going to give me some money. I'll have time to play, time to make my dragon sculpture or whatever like yes. that. So it's been it's been fine it's i'm fortunate to have my wife who's uh she's an artist as well she's a graphic designer but that's an easier business world to slip into as an artist than a truly a fine artist for sure and what's kind of interesting how we met was uh, in a garage sale it was your garage sale and i was walking by and i saw this cheer that you had made that i'll put a picture on the podcast notes that was (laughs) gorgeous the Star Trek chair, I call yeah, that. Yeah, the Star Trek chair. <laughs> and I took it home and I hid it because my wife's uh, birthday was like three or four months in the future. And then on the day I revealed it, she said, what's this shit? <laughs> oh, no. Does this look like anything that belongs in our house? It's like, I don't know. We have beautiful things. This is gorgeous. Right. Why wouldn't it fit? So right. beauty is in the eye of the beholder. True, true. And the old Carl would have... Um, felt very bad about that your, that your wife had that reaction and said what can I do how can I make this up to you but the new Carl is saying let's talk about something your wife would like yeah let's, let's, isn't that amazing you know? yeah so I'm kind of getting that you know I've it's been an interesting sort of personal soul searching thing of you know realizing how self-deprecating I am and I think a lot of artists have this where you you know with social media you see other people's work and you're like I am nowhere near as good as this guy. Right. And it starts to affect how you price your work. And, you know, can I really get $75 an hour for something that I spent 215 hours on? Who's right. going to pay me for that, you know? And what's amazing is sometimes the artists that you're looking at, that you're oogling at, drooling at, they're looking at your site going, man, I wish I could do something like that. That's that would be awesome. Exactly. And Instagram has shown me that that yes. is, is, you know, that's of all the platforms, you know. So in the work that I do, I've come across uh, at least this reality for me, that uh, we have three faces. We have this face that I call the illusion that we show other people. And some people show other people, look at me, I'm pretty, I'm smart, I'm brilliant. And other people show, you know, look at me, I'm broken, I'm tragic, I can't do anything right. But whatever that thing is, the illusion that we show the outside world, then we have this delusion of who we think we are. 
And it could be, I'm an artist, I'm this, I'm that. And it's quite different than what we show the outside world. And then we have that third space, the authentic you, who you are deep down. My hypothesis is great art comes when you tap into that place of the actual you inside. Kind of your thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I think you just hit it dead on. Uh, that's what I've been working on and trying to not think about what people want to see and just do what I want to see, do what's in me. And it's a difficult thing because this is a part of you that you're putting out there. Right. And, Vulnerability. And, and, and there's judgment with that. You know? Yes. Why are you making a dragon? Why are you making this piston into a, a weird, you know, weirdo head? Yeah. You know, like, why aren't you doing real art? You know, there's there's all these kind of stigmas that I, I think, frankly, I put on myself. I think a lot of people that are successful at this, they can turn that off and they're just doing what they want to do. You know, my wife has told me this time and time again. She's said, you just need to start, just start doing stuff. Don't think about it. Just do it and let it come out. And it could be all junk, but one of those things could be the one that you're like, oh, that's, you know, that hit for me. Right. It's very much, how can you stay true to yourself? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that artists have a lot of difficulty is somewhere along the way, they've got it in the head that, you know, true art and being commercial are two different things. Yes. And so money is bad. If you're selling your stuff at a certain price, then you're selling out. Mm -hmm. And I think you almost need to separate those two things and say, you know, how can I create that emotion, that feeling, that idea that's within me, manifest it in the world so people can see and make that one part of the journey right. and then almost have another part of the journey that is, okay, how do we put value on this thing that I created in a way that's fair to me? Right, exactly. Because oftentimes we're our worst enemies. Yes, yeah. Totally. There's a and, quote that says, you know, we've met the enemy and the enemy is us. Right. Well, that, <laughs> tattoo that on me. Because <laughs> I kind of live that every day. But yeah, I mean, when you think about the incredible things you can get for $400, you can go and get a machine that will wash your clothes with any temperature you want and, and, and any size and different spin things. And here I'm making this, this inanimate object that's going to sit on someone's shelf and I'm expecting them to pay me 15 times that, you know, like right. that's the kind of struggle I have. And, and it, you can't be like, you know, you have to think, obviously there's a ton of washing machines out there. There's only one dragon the way I'm going to make that dragon. Absolutely. So, but it's still, there's something in there that says, well, you could never do that. How dare you charge like this? You know, you know? what's kind of interesting. You could go and be selling something. The buyer that's looking at it goes, $15,000 and the person that's saying it is thinking is that all right but the artist is thinking oh my god I'm charging way too much and, you and they make a different defensive. meaning out of it yes our beliefs from childhood define who we are as human beings mm -hmm. your parents what were their thoughts about art and artists it, it, that's very funny I mean first of all where I come from Factorville Pennsylvania it's yes. outside of Scranton it's a very uh, um, blue-collar small small town and surprisingly a, a fair amount of artistic people have come out of our little town my class i think we had seven kids go to art school nice and uh, my, my mother is artistic um she became the town barber my dad was uh he um was a manager of a paper mill for procter mm -hmm. and gamble ex-marine vietnam vet and when i was graduating high school i was deciding whether i wanted to join the marine corps or go to art school and he said please go to art school right i don't want you to be a grunt or whatever so that 
kind of that gave me a lot of confidence yeah a lot of support and you know especially coming from him that was huge for me you know and then so i i went i i started on the path but i think that's also been a little bit of a problem for me is that having that upbringing trying to make it into a blue collar job instead of just appreciating that i'm an artist and and, right and accepting it and just going for it i keep kind of pulling myself back to you know trying to do fabrication work or things like that and it's again i keep coming back to the struggle that i feel like i'm kind of getting on the other side of now it's a journey yeah even when you get to the other side there's still going to be the next plateau that you need to get to and that's part of the joy of being human is right. is doing those transformations and the part that sucks is realizing that you need to transform right <laughs> exactly yeah so tell me yeah. about a couple of things uh, number one what has been the best sale you've ever made something you I, created and you got this uh, return whatever that return was and you went wow it was actually last October a friend of mine has been trying for years to get me to do the antique automobile club show in Hershey they have 9,000 vendors in the parking lot around Hershey Park. Right. And I was one of them. And uh, I didn't expect anything from it. He said, it's car guys. They're going to love this stuff. A couple of my pieces have car parts that I embellish. And, uh, that chair and, I purchased from you has right, uh, right, that yeah. disc. It has, it has a, rotor, a brake rotor there in it. it. So, yeah, there's some great parts on cars that just give me ideas. I went up there, and it's a week. We're living in his van in the parking lot right. for like a week. And I had a sale a day little like $400 items, which was great for me. It was like, okay, I've covered my cost of the of the show. On Thursday, a big storm was coming and I was fretting like, oh, do I, I don't want my sculptures to get soaked. You know, we've got tarps, but and I decided to pull the plug. We, we drove home from Hershey. And by the time I got home at 10 o'clock at night, I told my wife, I'm getting up at four and going back right. to set up. I just... For some reason, I, had a I feel wrong. I had a feeling, and I sat there the whole day, and nothing happened. So I'm packing up, and this gentleman comes up, and he just couldn't stop looking at this piece I call Billy Brain Bucket, and it was a piece that I spent probably over 200 hours building. He just had to have it, and it was a it was a seven thousand dollar item, but it wasn't the cost of it. It was just that that was one that I really kind of took a a step out of out of my right. normal on nice so i was really excited that someone got everything i did he totally got everything i did on that piece he was just like the perfect customer for it like he wasn't buying it just to resell it or whatever like this was a guy that dug it and it's going in his personal collection so that was that was just like a really important piece for me nice. you know and then somehow i started going back into you know starting to do fabrication work you like know I, why? I didn't know why i didn't ride that high because our beliefs define who we are. And what happens is sometimes people are like, you know, this is not going to work, this is not going to work, and it does work. And they go, you know what they tell their friends? I don't believe it. Because they actually don't believe it happened. It becomes so uncomfortable that they go back to that old behavior because that's where the comfort is. Mm -hmm. And that's where their foundation is. But the good news is there's technology out there that allows you to identify those limiting beliefs and break through those. And when you break through those, the very thing that was holding you back becomes that part of your psyche that drives you forward in that new direction. Mm. And that's what excites me is that we're at this watershed moment of humanity where we understand how the mind works in an elegant manner that allows us to get spectacular results. Hmm. Tell me about a particular time where you, where you got stuck. You're trying, the creative juices just stop. And tell me about that and how you got unstuck. That's honestly almost every project I, that happens to me. It's never, 
you know, I'll post pictures online and stuff and it looks like a seamless process. Right. I just, I had it from the beginning to the end, but I will go through, I mean, every sculpture, I've said this before, has its acne filled adolescence that I just, you're doing something ugly and you just keep cutting it apart and rewelding it and getting it, getting it there. So that's the way to get through it is to sometimes put it away for, I put stuff down for half a year and then come back to it. And it's, it's constantly in the back of my head. And finally, something unlocks and I'll, nice. I'll get an idea. Yeah, that that happens more often than not. And I had a couple pieces that I wasted time and I wasted a lot of tools and, and, and consumables pushing it and pushing it. And I've kind of learned to let let stuff pile up. The The danger of that is, I forget, my friend told me something about it. It's, I think it's called idea debt or where right. you've got a lot of ideas started and they're piling up downstairs. <laughs> I've got a, a bunch that I need to finish. You know, I keep getting a new idea, starting it, and then I don't know if I get bored or if I get stuck and I put right. it down and I don't get back to it. So sometimes you get an epiphany to rework something in a magical way, mm-hmm. and sometimes you get a notion that this might work. On one of those two things, you get a feeling where you just know this is the right thing to do. Yes. What's that feeling for you when you get an idea and you just get this feeling that this is the right thing to do? And where in your body do you feel that feeling? That's a good question. Man, that's going deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So go down to one of those specific memories where you had one of those epiphanies. When you think of that epiphany, let me know when you got it. Okay. Go back to that event wherever you were and see whatever you saw back then. Hear whatever you heard your own ideas, music in the background. When you do those two things, you get to re-experience what you were feeling in your body. Where in your body did you feel that knowingness of, I got it? Is it possible that it was it was in my mind and my heart at the yeah, same time absolutely because it was just it fit it was it was an idea it was a part that i was struggling on in fact it was on the piece i just told you about that right. i sold that guy it was i was trying to figure out how he was the the figure is riding a unicycle that he built out of out of beautiful antique motorcycle parts right and i couldn't figure out whether to put a seat on it or not and what the seat should look like i honestly struggled with that for probably three days trying different things and different shapes and then i just kind of went back to a pun i or i sort of went back to motorcycle parts and there's different engine styles like a pan head or mm-hmm. a, or, or a shovel head so i thought what if he's riding a shovel and i fabricated this little shovel and it was like oh it fits perfect it kind of looks like a seat it's a hidden little joke in there and it just i felt really good when that happened like i felt like I have no question that this is the right thing to put on this So this is something you should pay attention to. Uh, So I'll give you some uh, science in the background, then I'll come make the point, is that in your head you have 86 billion neurons that allow you to think. But you've heard people say, my heart tells me, because there's 40,000 neurons around your heart. And uh, sometimes we're heart-focused and sometimes we're head-focused. When you get that feeling in both, that's when you know that the feeling side of things and the logic side of things are aligning. Just look for that feeling again. Is if you a, get a totally insane idea, but your heart right. and your mind tells you it's the right one, Go just with, run with it. Right, right. Is that a common thing? or No, people are unique. Uh, I had this stockbroker come in. She was working on some business issues. One day she asked me, Umar, how can I tell the difference between a sense of knowing or just an idea that pops in my head to go get a stock? And I said, okay, have you ever had an experience of knowing something that you shouldn't know? She goes, yeah, the day my dad died. We got rushed to the hospital. My dad was rushed to the hospital. He was in surgery when my mother and I arrived. 
sometime during the morning, I knew he had died. And the doctor came in two hours later and said, hey, the surgery went fine. But at 8.36 this morning, we lost your dad for two minutes. And that's the exact moment she knew he died. And said, okay, just like I did with you, go back to that moment, be Mm -hmm. there, see what you saw, hear what you heard, what did you feel? She goes, I felt this really kind of warm feeling right here when I had the sense of knowing. I said, okay, great. Take a deep breath, let that feeling go. Tell me about another time you had a sense of knowing. And she goes, well, this other time I had the sense of knowing tells me the story. And I said, okay, go back to it, see what you saw, hear what you heard, notice what you were feeling in your body. She goes, oh my God, it was the same feeling. So now you know. Mm-hmm. When you get this thought and you accompanied with this feeling, this is a sense of knowing and run with it. And if you just get a thought without the feeling, then it's just an idea and you can gauge whether to go or not. Mm-hmm. What I love about my work is to give people insights into the human psyche right. so they understand, oh my God, this is how this amazing gift, because it's not just the mind, the logic, it's it's the heart and it's the soul. All three of them combined mm-hmm. make us human. And now we have the toolkit to go in and get that deeper understanding. Right, right. And that's what art is supposed to do, is to help people break through the logic. That thing that you created inspires an emotional response in them. And sometimes the response is, what's this shit? Right, right, yeah. (laughs) And other times it's like moving and powerful. And that's the magic of art. And that's an incredible thing to experience from the artist side of it, to move somebody like that. To have a guy show up that you don't know and say, this chair is beautiful. I got to have it, you know, yeah. and, and walk away with it. And it's like, wow, that person like liked what I created that much that they, you know, wanted to leave with it. So it's maybe that's the thing that you're constantly, I'm constantly trying to live up to that, you know, right. thing in my head. Every piece has got to be that. And then all of a sudden they become precious and they become this act I need to keep topping, you know, and you get inside your own head a little bit too much. Yeah, because, you know, is this good enough? And I think really the place where, and this is going to be total BS, by the way, because I'm making it up okay, as good. I'm saying this. <laughs> That's all right. A lot of arts like that, too. <laughs> There's this state of flow where you lose time and you just are working on something and it's just, it's almost like your logic gets out of the way and your hands are just moving of their own accord. And it's almost like a connection from your heart to the work that you're doing. I think if you can, if you can reach that place in the work that you do, then something amazing is going to come out of it. That half the people are going to say, what's this crap? Right. But the other people will be moved. Right. right. Not only to tears, but to open their wallet. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully that's... <laughs> but it shouldn't be all about money, but that's just a fact of life. I mean, we live in this world. You need money to you know, get along in the world. So I hate that it always comes back to it, but... It, but it does. You know. so let me uh, share uh, an exercise that was life-changing for me. As you're sitting there, no one else can see you. In a moment, I want you to uh, lift up your left arm to the side. Just lift it up and notice what it feels like when you do that. And go ahead and put it down. And now I want you to do something weird. I want you to ask your heart to move your left arm up and notice how it feels different when you do that. Get your heart to lift it. And bring it back down. Did you feel a difference in the two motions? I did. What I was did. it? I could see the difference in the second one was more flow and it, it effortless. It was slower. It was like, yeah, it wasn't a rushed getting it up there. It was kind of a slower, like, just raising it up with my... And there was more smoothness like my, in that motion. It kind of felt like my heart was pushing blood and, like, Making pushing it up like happen? a hydraulic yeah, ram or something the like that. first time I had that exercise done, it was like, oh, my God. That is not just about 
the mind, right. it's also about our heart. So if we're doing work where we combine the two, that uh, something special comes out of it. Mm. And, and Carl, before so, we wind this thing okay. up, you were about to ask I a question. I was just going to say, but how do you, it's, to me, hearing things like that, which are great, how do I stay mindful of that? When I get distracted by the work or distracted by the... This is what I'm going to do. I am going to uh, share an exercise with you. And this is going to take a little while, oh, listeners. No, which is okay. But it'll be worth the effort listening to it. Carl, and when I say Carl, people listening, you can follow along on this exercise. There have been a million songs written about the heart. Very few about the liver. <laughs> But there's a reason for that, because the heart isn't just the, uh, the organ that pumps the blood. We attribute that connection to the divine. When we love someone, it's not, you know, I love you with my penis. It's, it's that heartfelt kind right. of thing, because it's a spiritual connection. So I want you to follow along on this thought experiment. Okay. And what I want you to do is I want you to imagine that your heart, not the physical pump, but that spiritual, imagine it's stepping up onto one of your hands could be your right hand or your left hand, and you lift your hand up, palm side up, and imagine your heart sitting on top of it. And if you imagine that spiritual side of you, of your heart, it's got some weight to it, right? It does. Light, medium, or heavy? Heavy. And uh, it's got a texture. What's the texture of it? Hard to tell, or it's, does it have a texture? Yeah. Um, kind of, I feel leathery. Yeah. <laughs> is Which is okay. <laughs> uh, and this part of you, ask it, what is your greatest desire for me? This is you, Carl, asking your heart, the spiritual side of you. What does it want for you? What's the greatest gift it wants for you? It wants me to be confident in me. Yeah. And I want you to ask your heart, what is your greatest fear for me? Boy, that's... <laughs> is it tough? It's a tough one. Yeah. Saying too much or not enough? It's... It's saying too much, okay. but it's it's about it's about loss and it's about the end. It's right who who I have at the end, what I have at the end. Not right. not material possessions, but people. People, yeah. right? I want you to ask right. you the last question. The last question I want you to ask is, "What's your name?" And it's going to give you what its name is. Or what name would you like to give it? Don't say just, Carl Jr. No, please. it's not going to say. The thing is, it's not like a. It's not a name. Mm -hmm. it, it wants to. I keep just seeing the word strength in my head. Let's just call it strength. Mm -hmm. Is what it wants. Thank it. Put it down. And now I want you to do this experiment. I want you to say the word strength inside your mind and notice how quickly your heart says yes. Pretty quickly, right? So the next time you're thinking about a particular problem that you're trying to solve, uh, your mind's going to come up front and center and give you the answer. Sometimes it's not the right answer or it's stuck. Then all you have to do is say the name of your heart. In your case, it's strength. It's going to say yes and say, what do you think about it? And it's going to give you a different perspective immediately. Wow. And you can take that perspective into your thinking and almost always it gets you unstuck. It may not be the answer, but it'll give you insights that allow you to get to the answer really quickly. Right. So report back. Let me know how this I will. thing works. Yeah, yeah. This is great. I'm going to owe you another chair. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you one last story on this, then we'll wind this puppy okay. down. 
I was doing, I was at a conference in Brazil teaching people humanness and I taught them this exercise. And as I was leaving the presentation, everyone's really happy except for this one German lady and she looks really upset. I said, hey, uh, everything okay? She goes, no. When I asked my heart, what's his name? And he gave me this nonsense name. It's not a real name. And it's really upsetting. I said, okay. And the next morning I saw her after breakfast and she's smiling and says, I got to tell you that this nonsense name, I went into Google, German Google, and I put in phonetically what it said. And uh, it is from ancient Germany, like the eighth century. And this word means courage. Really? So it's not a nonsense wow. word. But I've never come across it before, but it gave me something that validated this is going on. Right. That's the juice that keeps me going. Carl, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Thank you, Mar. This has been great. This has been like a therapy session for me. I feel good. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming and that is the fastest way to get better results 